0: This morning and next Sunday, we're going to be concluding our morning services in a bit of a different way in that we are going to be welcoming uh, the congregation to enter into a time of prayer. So with that being said, I'm going to try to be concise, not only this week, but next week. Um, I said try. You know... um, during our first Saturday prayer yesterday, I kept thinking about the passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that speaks about um, the shakings that would come uh, into our lives and how that we need to endure those times of shaking so that we could obtain a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And um, I, I kept thinking of that, and I thought, Lord, this is really an incredible um, point of partnership that we as saints have enjoyed, because, you know, this past year or so, we've been, we've, you know, the, the, the term shaken there is, uh, I did some research on it yesterday, and, and the way it first started to be used in the ancient Greek was the seafaring people, the, the sailors, those that were out on the boats, the fishermen, and they would talk about the, the, wa- the waves and how sometimes there would be turbulence on the, on the surface of the water and it would cause their footing to be somewhat unstable or challenged. And that's where uh, then it was, it was taken from that to describe what would happen in an earthquake. And if you've ever been, I remember performing a wedding once up uh, near Norman, Oklahoma, and we went to um, a museum of earthquakes. you imagine there's such a thing? And you could go into this one area and you could feel they had positioned what um, what it feels like to be in in an earthquake, and the floor just, undulates, and it's, it's amazing. But it really is very much like the waves of the sea. And so sometimes we think, well, what, what could come against us that would, would try to get us to be shaken? And we think about persecution or opposition or accusation. And if history serves anything uh, as, as an advisor. Those types of things, even though they're unpleasant, always serve to propel the church to grow and to propel the church to, to become more galvanized. Yeah, there are some that fall away, but that kind of persecution really causes, from Acts four all the way on through uh, the history of the church, to cause the church to grow and to develop. But I think that, I think that over the years we have sensed or. Even before the Lord changed us, I could see things that would happen, that would come against our congregation, that would cause some people to become, you know, what's a good, what's a good clean word for a Sunday morning? Willing to let go of their faith. And um, over this past year, I think that time, and I think time is one of the biggest challenges to the things that we really believe because you, you those things that are so ingrained into you, you're going to do them regardless of whether everybody else is doing them and regardless of whether it's been this long of time since you've been able to do it in a place that you um, that you have become accustomed to doing it and time is is going to reveal what really is invested in your life. And I think time also disproves lies. Time disproves things that that um, people said, oh, this is happening, and after, after time, you could see whether that was really true or not. Of course, the naysayers or the accusers are gone by then, but time can either be a dissuading factor or a confirming factor, which is probably why the first... Um, the first sign of the apostolic is patience, because that involves time and your willingness to hold on to what it is that is firmly believed within your heart, uh, no matter how much time goes by. And um, so the shaking uh, that has happened has not necessarily been from without, but it's been testing the foundation of where you really stand. And, and I think over this past year, with all of the things that have happened, with all of the things that have influenced our lives, um, we come to this point, and I really believe that it's very near a point where we're going to be launching out in a lot of powerful ways. We're preparing for that. Uh, it's tested what's really important to you, what's really a bedrock point of agreement between you and God. And so um, we come to this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 primarily because it reminds me of what God said to us when he was leading us into the process of becoming saints. And when, when we were all being changed from to my opinion, I don't know what it's like for you, maybe you were always on fire, but from nominal Christianity into the essence of what God really wants from his ecclesia. And and it was for many years. There were at least six, well actually six years um, after God touched us in 1996, but really about nine months before that, with all the fasting and the, and, the, and the seeking God for him to do what he wants to do, all that time, we were only searching for him. We weren't going anywhere. I think six years, early in the six years, I remember we had the privilege of going down to Corsicana on one Saturday. There was an invitation that I had from several officials in the movement to go into a particular church and to pray and to find out what was coming against them, which was a very powerful time. And the Word was delivered. I don't know that it was acted on, but later that year we were under, um, we were under scrutiny. But for those six years, we just said over and over again, and six years is a long time, we're just seeking God. We're just calling upon the Lord. We are on our face before Him. We're praying in diversities of tongues. We're studying the deep things of the Word, but relationship with God and, and really following after the wind of the Spirit of truth as He guided us in the places He wanted us to be guided. We were really establishing relationship with God through prayer and subsequently laying the groundwork for the doctrinal foundation from the Word of who the saints should be, so that we could then go forth and say, Thus says the Lord, this is that. But our essence was just to seek the Lord. And to me, that's our foundational footing. That's that's who we are. And we we have to remember that, because that's not changed. Even though we've gone to I I don't know, I haven't made a count of how many nations I don't know how I don't know right offhand how many outposts we have. Maybe that'd be a good thing to do, so we could pray. Of course, there's warnings about numbering the people, so I don't really want to do that either. It's never really entered into my mind, except for the point of praying for them. Uh, and incidentally, thank you all for praying for the church in Sao Paulo, or at least uh, First Fruits Church. Uh, the word came this morning that um, it seems that the Precipitous attack of COVID into that church has not gone into uh, deeper symptoms, so we're we're thankful and we're praying that it's just eradicated. So thank you for praying. But we we want to pray for those that we have responsibility for. But um, uh, you know, it's it's not about us going places. It's not about us writing books. It's not about us laying out a curriculum. It's not about any of those things, even though those are part of our duties. The foundational thing, and it will always be this way through eternity, is seeking God and knowing Him and spending time with Him. And that's the thing that no matter what comes, should not be uh, done away with. It, it It should not ever leave us. And That's the thing the enemy's attacked more than anything in people's lives. And we've said over and over again, like a broken record, make sure you're praying. Make sure you're spending time praying in diversities of tongues. Make sure you're calling upon the Lord. And that is really the most essential thing that we need to look at to verify that that's not been shaken out from us as individuals or as a people. So here in 1 Corinthians 12, we have the Apostle Paul writing beginning at uh, verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. And, you know, I want to just side to a sidebar here. You remember when we took the listings of the fivefold gifts in Scripture and we lined them up beside each other? And, of course, we know that the two that he does not specifically mention here are the evangelist and the pastor. But we know that they are part of the fivefold. So you list those, and what you see here is what's coming next after apostle, prophet, and teacher are the description of evangelist and pastor. So you have uh, the, uh, wor- the after that, miracles, which is dunamis, which is really function. Uh, We've taught on this, I don't know, dozens and dozens of times. So, for those of you hearing it for the first time, I apologize, but I'm not going to dwell on this. I'll just say this: that dunamis represents function, and it's it's uh, any kind of dynamite is used not for entertainment, but for function. I, I just finished reading a book, oh maybe a couple months ago, about the building of the transcontinental railroad, and especially. Those areas coming from the west, from from the the uh, from the west from California, uh, and how they used dynamite in those uh, in those mountains to create tunnels, and once the tunnels were open and functioning, they didn't dynamite anymore, and and that's really what dunamis is. When you come to the point of function, it's accomplished its purpose. And that's what dunamis is. I mean, dunamis is function. Power is function. You know, when Jesus uh, had the woman with the issue of blood touch the hem of his garment, and he said, I perceive that dunamis virtue in the King James, but dunamis has flowed out from me. Function has flowed out. And it, at the same point, immediately the woman knew in her body that that issue of blood was gone. And it was It was not about, you know, none of those high and holy men that were there, none of them heard an explosion. None of them, the ground didn't shake. There wasn't a bright light from heaven. There weren't 50 people that went out in the spirit and said, I never felt that before. You know, no. What happened was in that dunamis was in that one lady's body, and function was restored. That's the essence of dunamis. And that's really the objective of of an evangelist, including the, uh, the, the gifts of healings, which is grace remedies. And those two factors are there. And so that's the problem. If, if, you, are, if you have a gift like the evangelist, which is to be a messenger of what God's Word, of, of who God is, and your two big claims to fame, other than knowing God, which is the essence, is that you're able to bring a word that brings solution and that you bring a return to function. What are you going to do when there's no solution in front of you and then there's no function that needs to be corrected? You're kind of like a well-trained hunting dog sitting on the porch wondering when you're going to go out chasing coon again, you know, or quail or whatever it is that Les can tell you all the things that hunting dog goes after. So you, 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 you drift back to... The essential thing, I am serving God in this five-fold mission. I am knowing God, and when my time comes, I'm going to be ready, and I'm going to fulfill these two functions. Well, what about the church? What about the pastor? Well, you've got these three things, and, the, and, and this dictates what the ecclesia of the local body should be. Helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Helps. Uh, you know, I read I, I read a whole bunch of commentaries yesterday, just not because I was searching for what this meant, because we already know what it means. I was just curious as what the hoi polloi are saying. And because it says helps in, in King James or in the New King James or something similar in the NIV or I'm sure Fire Bible and Passion Bible and the, the, the hottest thing going Bible, is, says the same thing. And the, the, the commentators, because of helps, they, they try to throw this into a social ministry, some kind of a philanthropic thing. And that's not what the original Greek says at all. It's in, it's in accordance with what we said. And it, uh, originally, through uh, study, it means to lay hold of something and to be willing to change hands as God directs and to stay moving in, in what you grasp on um, and and that's that's really to know to know the timing the governments you know it's it's very interesting because we've always translated this as the development of the giftings of people and that is true and the one thing I've not focused on because it seems self-serving is that at the top of that developmental gift you have to have somebody that is an overseer you have to have somebody that's in God's directive at the head of that governmental structure. And so that's, that's all there. And, and so then it comes into something that those who were against Pentecost would use, where it says, are all pro- apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And they've used that in the past to say, see there, not everybody's supposed to speak in tongues. Not everybody's supposed to have this gift. And that is not what it's saying at all. In fact, it, it's basically going back through these five, it apostle, prophet, teacher, and then it touches on this issue of, um, for for an evangelist, bringing a remedy toward solution of, of uh, or restoration of function. And then it speaks about diversities of tongues, which is the essence of what the church should be. And, and subsequently then, if you speak in tongues, let uh, interpret those things. Why does it say, do all? Do all speak in tongues? Why does it say, are all apostles? Because Paul has already said in this chapter about the body. Can the foot say to the hand, I have no need of thee? And he's speaking about how you need to have a continuity. What has God created you to be? What is God saying in this fivefold directive from his mind? You, you need to be that. And somebody's not going to be able to say, well, you know, I know this is what you say God's doing, but you know what? I've got a different opinion. I have a different app. You need more than one apostolic word. You have more than one directive from the throne, or you know. I know it was prophesied over here, but you know, I'm just as much of a prophet. We hear from God just as you do, Moses. I'm going to say a word, and uh, you know, I know you've got this teaching, but what about this teaching over here? See, this is what Paul's saying, uh, and and he's really saying, get in line with that harmony of what God's put in position. And then he says this, verse 31, covet earnestly the best gift. Best is kritos It is a derivative, an applicative derivative of kratos. So basically what he's saying here is make sure that as you're getting this word that it's coming from the throne, Make sure that you're functioning on behalf of what the throne of God has commanded you to do and to be. And, um, and then it says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. This is hyperbole. I'm going to give you a, a poetic example of this unity and this harmony. And I'm going to show you what, what an example of this is. And then he goes through the 13th chapter And he keeps talking about agape, breathing hard after God. Now, some people in in their more progressive, socially-minded agenda will prefer to say, well, this is talking about love. This is talking about philanthropic things. And they totally reject the word studies that we all shared that show how this traces back to the Old Testament word that speaks about breathing hard after something or showing a passion for something, and so that's what agape is. It's not just nice, sweet thoughts with uh, new age music playing in the background, thinking about the next uh, soup kitchen you can work in. Even though I'm not faulting that, uh, but uh, I remember, you know, I remember when I was a kid. Once a month, my dad was in a rotation to go down and preach at the uh, Union Gospel Mission. And then the Light of Light Rescue Mission, which is still functioning in Pittsburgh. And I was the designated family member, all of uh, five years old, that would go with him and sit in uh, amongst. uh, It was really interesting. But I'd hear my dad preach, and I'd sit there thinking, I don't know that I want. Some of the characters were in that mission. I know God loved them all, but as a little boy, they were kind of scary to me. And, but, you know, I, I appreciate that kind of work, but that's not what's being talked about here. It, it is not when you study the Scripture. So essentially, Paul is saying, be what you're called to be and do that. So what are we called to do? To me, everything flows from that pastoral group. Everything flows from you praying in diversities of tongues and interpreting. Everything flows from you having your giftings uh, developed and you being in proper alignment with the authority structure God has put you in. Everything flows from you being willing to follow the leading of the Spirit and know when it's time to loosen the hand but to grab the wheel here so that you can turn and move properly. That's still our essence. That's what we're called to do, and that's the essence of where everything else comes from. It, it just is. Because if you're not praying and you're not interpreting and you're not fulfilling the role that God's created you to be, and if you're not being willing to led by the Spirit, then what good are you in the Spirit realm? You're, you're going to be in jeopardy out there. You just are. And anybody who's forgotten that, God help them. So I believe that as we come to this point where we are going to be reaching out to our Saints Network family uh, in our Saints Network seminar, the prophet, uh, that we need to depict this from this house and in the houses of the saints. What should a church be according to what the Apostle Paul's opinion was? What should we be? And um, we need to be that. And we need to look over the things that have tried to shake us over this COVID season and consider what, what really are you? You know what? That wasn't the beginning of the shakings. For me, it wasn't. And I, I won't go through all the things that shook me, but before that, uh, like two years ago, two and a half years ago, we had some major shots from the enemy that tried to destroy and unravel the Saints' network. Just tried, but and that was a that was that was less of a shaking, and more of a direct affront. But again, the way you the way you assure who you are is to go back to the foundational footing. That's why in, in war and in sports, when things get rough, the thing that's really going to usually cause one team to prevail over another is the team that goes back to the basics and remembers what are the fundamentals? What is the foundation? This is what we're called to be. We're not going to run around like our heads on fire and we don't We're looking for a bucket to put it out. We're going to stand strong. And I believe God has been using these things to get us ready. But we come back to the point of our calling. And for this house, our calling, yes, it's to reach the world. Yes, it's to represent the message of the saints. Yes, it's to do all the things that we've done. But the content of our character is to be a people of prayer and diversities of tongues who interpret what God is saying, who put that into application to allow whatever God has called us to be, to be functioning and to try our very best to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and be that. That's our essence. I mean, it's not in the natural glamorous. It's not something that really sparks people to... uh, they run up and click their heels, but that's the essence, and without that, we lose. Without that, we lose the, the privilege of walking as sons, and I don't want to lose that, and so in this year of the prophet, as I said, this week and next week, at the end of our Sunday morning, we're going to pray, and so I'm going to ask uh, this, this week Monica, to come, and there's a directive that's going to be given for the network and for our house here, and then we're, we're going to pray. And next week, <clears throat> we're going to have a, a focus on, you can come, uh, we're going to have a focus on prophetic presbytery and the other ministries that are going to be going on during the seminar. So um, God bless you. Thank you.
1: Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to ask, can we pray in the Spirit for just a minute? Everyone, and and those of you that are joining, you're vital in what's going to happen in the next hour or so. And so I would like to ask for you also to pray in the Spirit and just let's just form some unity in the realm, amen. So, beloved the power Father, stir the gift that is within us. So, beloved the Et alors, nous avons aussi bien un peu de se faire te de l'amour Ha, I I am Ha, ha, e to to se balto le balto di bella notte vere di bottere vere delle me Tori kusha
0: Hey shorepa
1: and Mona on River, Father,
0: we
1: just ask that you would flood this house with your grace. Every houses, of the, every houses of the saints that are meeting this morning, today, for prayer, I just speak the spirit of grace to lift them, to promote them in the gifts of diversities of tongues, of intercession, of, of prophetic insight and interpretation. Lord, we want to press through and to break through. This is a Parots Sunday, and you have ordained this day as a day of prophetic prayer and we just want to press through into that breakthrough and see and hear the voice of our Lord. See what he is speaking to his, church, to his churches. Hear him clearly and go forward on behalf of that directive. So we release grace into the houses of the saints, into the hearts of the people. Lord, encourage them today. Lift them up with your grace and in their intercession. And we bind the enemy in any way that he would try to hinder our intercession today. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for what Pastor just spoke about. And really just such a a wonderful, powerful reminder about really our foundation. And I think about how grateful we are, that the Lord has established us in relationship and our love affair with him and, and in our love affair with his divine plan from his throne. And, you know, we, we, if we think about the ministry that comes forth out of this house and through the saints, it is about that very thing, no matter where we go. We speak about relationship. We speak about commune with the Lord. We speak about intercession. And from that place of identity, people step into their function. And so today is about that. Today is about each one of us individually meeting before the Lord and being a voice in intercession according to his divine plan for what he has for us during this gathering, this is, you know, we're used, in the, used to in this house to have multiple prayer times. This is it for us in this way. We will have other prophetic prayers next week and throughout the, throughout the week in whatever way the Lord leads you. But this is our time to go before the Lord and really bathe this gathering, the prophet, in prayer before him. And so, remember how important it is. Prayer is the most important part, but we also want to glean what he would have for us to know, to see, to hear about what he intends to accomplish. And and so, that's what we're going to do. Amen. Now, for those of you that are gathering with us um, through the internet, our, our houses throughout the world, throughout the world. I, you know, this is a virtual seminar, and so it's different. And you will be where you are connecting with us through um, the internet. And so, what we want to encourage you to do this morning or today when you pray is, is first of all, to engage, to, to truly engage and to, to, to pray with us, to pray alongside us, but to stand on behalf of where God has you in your terio, on behalf of the esteme where he has called you to stand, and to receive him, to receive instruction, to receive insight as to what he wants to accomplish in and through you where you're standing. And it's just so important. I mean, it's, it's difficult it is for us not all to be able to meet in this one house, God has a purpose for it. He has a purpose for this remote seminar. And I believe so much of that is for him to establish our different outposts, whether they be churches, whether they be houses of prayer, whether they be individuals who have established tabernacles in their own houses, through cities and nations throughout the world. It's just so important that, that you are before the Lord on behalf of the Terio and the Histemi where God has called you to stand. And so we want to invite you to pray alongside us. We want to ask you to glean his heart for what he wants to accomplish in and on behalf of the place where you're standing and take those things that he shows you and commit yourself to pray specifically in partnership with him on seeing them fulfilled. So that is the commission for our network throughout the world on behalf of today's prayer time. Okay? So we are going to end this service and and. And go off the air, and um, and then we're going to have a little chat with our congregation here. So, Scott.